Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 180. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and award-winning game designer and podcaster, Ross Payton. Hey, it's Ross, Ross Payton with Roleplay Bob Grady. I'm excited to be here on StoryComic.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, before before we went live, I was I was chatting with the fact that I, I would listen to you. I was an avid fan uh, when I was mm-hmm. working overseas. I would download you on my iPod and, mm-hmm. and listen to the latest episodes of, of Roleplaying Public Radio. And it's mm-hmm. funny, I'm, I'm checking out, you know, and I realize that you now have a veritable sea of podcasts that you've been doing I do. now. you have yeah. tons of them i do yeah one would say too many but like i would say no definitely <laughs> i still have time i can do another podcast uh, yeah. yeah so i i have you on here to talk about the the mm-hmm. fake core system and you put out uh, uh you put out base raiders which is a mm-hmm. super powered and i love the fact it was inspiration of a dungeon crawl Mm-hmm. As a dungeon crawl that is a superhero base invading mm-hmm. game, so that's a, I, that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Do yeah. you want to just the first of all? And I mean, I, I I could ramble on for hours about talking mm-hmm. about your podcast and talking about all your other games, but I promised before we started that we were going to talk about base raiders. Sure. So let's let's jump in and. Talk about base raiders. Talk about you are uh, have a long history of game design. Also, you know, learning and and, and reviewing and talking about mm-hmm. role playing games. So, my first question for you is: When you created base raiders uh, back in two thousand twelve, right or thirteen? Uh, it I I created like the Kickstarter is twenty thirteen and it came out right. twenty fourteen. So yeah. So. And I know you mentioned in a previous uh, in a previous interview that you did kind of shop around to figure out what would be mm-hmm. the best what would be the best open source license system to use, and you landed on Fate. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about it? Talk to us about that. Yeah, Fate. Um, I wanted. Yeah, that was the first my requirement was that I wanted a standalone system. I didn't want to write a setting book for an mm. existing system. Uh, systems that excluded things like Savage Worlds. Um, which, you know, would have been possible, but like, you know, um, but, uh, I wanted fate, um, because I really like, um, the, I really wanted the flexibility, the versatility, uh, Mm. of the system. And, uh, I also wanted, like, I wanted it to be at least a little crunchy, like in the, like, uh, the version of fate I used, um, first came out in the Kerberos club and, um, the Kerberos Club had uh, a really interesting um, superpower creation system that uh, I liked. I also like, oh yeah, aside from Savage Worlds, I also asked um, if I could use the one roll engine, uh, but I didn't hear back from Arc Dream. Um, so, I, which is the system uh, they used for Wild Talons. Um, and okay. uh, yeah. And um, I really liked the, the superpower system for Base Raider or for Kerberos Club. And. Um, I adapted it for fate, uh, or I adapted it for my game. So, 
Um, that that was pretty much it. I mean, the options back in 2013 weren't nearly as much as they are now. Like okay. now, I'd have to do. Um, I'm actually am looking at Fate again. I am actually thinking about a second edition, and I am thinking about using Fate again. But I think I would use something based on. I'm actually looked at Fate Condensed, uh, which uh, came out in 2020, and actually has a lot of ideas I like. Right. Um, and uh, oddly enough, I am running a Fate Core campaign right now, although it's not base raiders. Um, it's like a action horror thing, um, kind of like Resident Evil or Bioshock or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I might write a campaign book for a Fate Core setting uh, in the near future because I really like my premise. But anyways, I'm just rambling at this point. So yeah. Um, <laughs> so out of the options yeah. available at the time, Fate was by far the best one. So yeah. So how was it different for those that that might be learning mm-hmm. Fate and, and knowing about the games like Fate Core system mm-hmm. and 2016 18 where we are now uh how is it initially different what were some of the systems as you mentioned earlier that were that now have been tweaked what were some of the base systems that you noticed in the fake core system back in 2013 that's different now yeah i think a lot like oh not just savage worlds but also like means and masterminds that was another one i could have written for but like that would have been a setting book um not a not a standalone thing and like savage worlds and and means and masterminds like they're very crunchy very like like they don't have, they don't give like as much narrative agency to the players. And the thing in the superhero genre, you need to give that narrative agency to okay. players to give them some say. Like the the whole idea of aspects and fate points um, is is a great way to push for everyone to push the game in ways that they want to. Because you know you have a good fate game going when players are asking for compels. They're like, hey, can I get a fate point if I do this dumb thing? You know, <laughs> and um, that's a dynamic because they want because players don't always want to be like there are some players who always want to be min max uh i'm going to win every single fight i want to be but there are players who are really more interested in the story and they're okay with like their players getting in a certain type of trouble you know and uh they like the idea of the, the conflict and the drama that results from so that's i think the biggest thing is superheroes games are not like tactical combat exercises they're they're stories they're narratives and you kind of need that narrative agency to sort of like bend the rules because it's like you know who who would win in a fight superman or batman well it's whoever the writer wants to win the fight like it's not, like <laughs> that's right yeah and in game terms it's whoever has the most fate points to blow like that's what matters like it's not like well superman he can do this and this and this yeah but there are times he can't do that because the writer thinks Nah, it's not really cool if the story goes that way. Like, it, <laughs> so, um, and that's the great thing about fate is that you you have everyone has some say, some pull in determining how the narrative goes. Right. Um, and uh, I that so, um, and which is ironic because like you know I I'm taking that, but like then it's about dungeon crawling, which is the most tactical kind of like role-playing game. Most people think of it, you know, clearing rooms, killing monsters, taking their stuff. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's that juxtaposition. I think it makes big stories really fun. Um, so yeah. So what were some of the things that, you know, as that is taking, using the fate system, what mm-hmm. were some of the tweaks that you kind of personalized it to kind of fit within Okay. Your slang yeah. design LLC model. Uh, yeah. Um, the biggest thing I think is the goal system. Um, okay. Which is like the, my one of the so base raiders. The the whole premise of the game is that 
it's a game about superheroes, but minus the actual heroes and villains. Like the idea is all the heroes and villains are gone, but they leave their stuff behind. So mm. average people get a chance to like take their powers. You know, um, the whole dungeon crawling thing uh, came back because, you know, they, they, hey, take a look at this cross section of Batman's Batcave or, or the Fantastic <laughs> Four skyscraper. And be like, well, that's a dungeon to crawl. Um, and. <laughs> Um, but the narrative thing is that like in superhero comics, it's always the status quo and it's always Batman and Reed Richards are going to use their wealth to fight weird villains, but they're not going to cure poverty or cancer. You right. know, they're going to, and well, what if you had those powers, you could actually do that. You could actually make a campaign about like stealing Reed Richards's stuff and finding a cure for cancer and like giving it to everyone in the world. Um, so, uh, and then the other thing that a system I had was like loot to come like fate is great from narrative agencies, but it's not about like, I get X points of loot. So I came right. up with loot points, uh, as a way oh, for okay. players to modify their own characters and change them. Um, although in practice, like I, yeah, um, that is something I would definitely revise those mechanics for second edition. Cause that was the idea. It didn't quite work out in, in practice, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, the goal system I'm really happy with, uh, because like, I want like the whole point of a, like a long running RPG story is to like, have th something change, something happened, you know, and, uh, this is the way to represent it mechanically. Like the world has now been cured. Every, everyone's cancer has been cured now because of you, because right. of your rest of your life, you did all the stuff, you punched out the bad guy and you get to cure cancer. Um, so yeah. So is that like like your like you meant the goal system? Is that kind of the mm -hmm. your version of like character progression then? Well, it's it's no, it's not character progression. It's progressing the campaign setting itself. I the idea you. is um, now there's already character progression. You can you can use loot to improve your character, and there's right. the same kind of things about character advancement that you would in uh, uh, any fake game. But um, the goal system is setting in a goal external to yourself to your own improvement you know like i want to cure the cancer and then you can come up with uh, uh milestones and like here's what you need to reach these milestones like first you need to uh get this much loot of technology in order to build a lab then you have to research it then you need this thing you know and the, the gm can sort of give you a whole like outline of all the stuff you need to do uh mm. in order to cure cancer and then like not just cure cancer, but like then distribute it so that everyone in the world, it can be cured of cancer. So like, uh, that's what the goal system is to do is to make an actual change to the campaign setting, uh, okay. your, your version of base Raiders. So like, um, like at, by default in base Raiders, only humans have civil rights. Well, you could, you could make a game about like giving aliens and, uh, sapient robots, civil rights, and that could mm. be your game. Um, or it could be like everyone thinks the uh, insane clown posse is the coolest band in the world. Like that, that could be the goal. And then, all right, yeah, you're you're promoting this band, and now we're gonna see what happens when the jugglers rule the world. So, all right, <laughs> um, it's whatever the players want to make it, but it's a chance for the players to set the stakes themselves, right. and then the GM to kind of like, well, okay, well, here are the thing, the challenges you would have to overcome, right. um, and yeah, so it's a way to sort of frame a campaign because it's. I don't want base Raider games to be about go to base of the week, loot it, move on. Like there has to be something more, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
So, yeah. so it's interesting as a game designer and with a game that's almost 10 years old right now, <laughs> have you heard, um, have you, <laughs> have you heard, uh, any stories or seen any actual plays where someone played the game where it surprised you? You're like, I didn't even think about that. That's pretty cool. Or, or mm-hmm. there's something where you're like saying in, in the back of your head, you're not supposed to do that or something like that. Um, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen like players like messing because all like the it's it's meant to be a kitchen sink kind of gonzo setting where like I like the idea of mixing technology and magic and all this right. crazy stuff together. But like I have there's a lot of character type like players, the fans of base raiders have made so many interesting characters be like, oh, that's cool. Like um, there was someone who um, made a character recently for a one shot game that I ran. Uh, where this character was called Impanada, and it was uh, a duo. Uh, one was a guy who had like you know advanced AI cybernetic implants, uh, and he had a little AI talking in his head. And that you know, okay, but then his his buddy was a psychic capybara with incredible diplomacy skills. Like nobody <laughs> wanted to to everyone loves the capybara, and so like they they would um, another another character was an undead parkour guy. And he was on, he was dead when Ragnarok happened, but he got brought back to life. So he used to be a bad guy. Now he's trying to be, figure out where, what his place in the world is. And he's really into, uh, yeah. So, um, I, there, there have been so many original, interesting character types, um, that, uh, it's hard to keep track of. Like one of the first games of base Raiders I ran, it was, I used the, uh, uh, there's also like a dungeon creation system where players can mm. like, oh, here's a rumor about this base. Okay, well, we'll roll and see which rumors are true or not. And it turned out to be like, oh, David Bowie used to live there and like experiment and like, uh, okay, <laughs> all right. So you're going to David Bowie's base and finding out what crazy stuff is in there. It's like, all right. I didn't, I didn't uh, anticipate that. So um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So what are some of the things as you mentioned that, uh, you know, looking at, you know, maybe doing a, mm-hmm. a second edition to this, what are some of the things that, as you mentioned before, that have been bugging you that you really want yeah. to fix? Uh, the biggest one by far has been the power creation system. While I did like it at the time, it was the best option for me at the time. Um, right. But um, it's definitely, it's, it, you know, there's a, fl- <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's diagrams. It's, it's, it's a bit intimidating for new players. Um I want to drastically simplify the superpower creation system while giving, I don't want it to just be like, here's a list of 20 powers and that's all you can do. Right. Like I want players to have flexibility and the ability to create really interesting and complex powers. But you know, there's that balance between making it like at one end, you can make it like your power is fire. You can do whatever you want with fire versus (laughs) which is way too vague, right? And then there's, right. on the other hand, there's um, uh, Hero. Have you seen Hero? Um, Hero is a, a RPG that's literally like the size of a phone book. Like it's like this, <laughs> it's like this thick. And like, there's there's a video of somebody shooting it. And like the book stopped a bullet. Like it, like I don't want a bullet stopping uh, because it's extremely complex. Um, right. It had the hundreds and hundreds of pages of rules for every type of power. Um, so you got to work between those two extremes. Um, and so I want to make a new power system. Also, I realized recently, like the reason I have this, all this text in the game about like, why are there so many bases? Well, uh, when you're a superhero or a villain and you, and you have superpowers, 
um, you need infrastructure. You need like a clinic that can treat you mm. wh where they won't ask questions about how you got irradiated and shot and stabbed. And, you know, um, you also need like if you're super strong, you need a gym with super heavy objects. You can't right. just go down to a, your local gym and do that. Um, if you have magic powers, you need a lab you know, or, you know, an alchemist, a wizard study. Or if you're a super scientist, you need a lab with lasers and robots. Um, so I want to create a power system where the player characters have to follow that same path. Well, if you want to make your power better, you need to build your own base. You need to start like you need a place to recharge your powers and you need to start like doing that stuff. Because uh, I think that'd be really fun is the players like, well, if you have a secret base, you have to spend time keeping it up. And that means less time for your civilian life. And you have to choose. Are you going to be give up being like your secret identity? Or are you going to like go be a uh, base raider full time? Like, I think there's a lot of potential there. So I think that's that's where I'm in right now with the second edition. And that's what I want to play test. Mm. Um, so I have some rules typed up, but I need to, um, you know, actually sit down at a table with friends and, and run it <laughs> and see what, how it works. And, yeah. and, and, and my guess would be too, is that you would, you'd also have, you know, double down on the setting aspects as well mm -hmm. that, that people would be able to utilize, especially if you're concentrating on almost the, the main protagonist in a way, even though mm -hmm. you people are claiming is the base itself is the yeah. main character. Yeah. Like one thing I want to do is like, um, I've run a lot of games in it and I've, I've wrote some PDF supplements for it. And there's a lot of setting elements that I didn't have for the initial book that I would like to put in now. Like, I, like, mm. um, I came up with this part, the one area in the game that I call the giant robot graveyard. Um, it was just a premise for a one shot, but the players loved it. And it's basically like, well, back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, there are all these giant monsters, all these kaiju and the, uh, the superheroes just built a bunch of giant robots to fight the giant monsters. And then after a while, you know, went all Pacific Rim, um, but you know, obviously the good guys won. And so they scrapped all the robots and took all the dead Kaiju and just put them in a massive underground uh, base in the, in the Earth's mantle. And it's like, I kind of picture it as kind of like a lost hollow earth continent kind of thing. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and so I want to do that as like, here, here's a, here's a, like a, just a whole chapter. Like, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on down here. Um, yeah. So there, there's a lot of set of elements I've sort of fleshed out since I wrote the main book. Um, and yeah. Um, it, it would this game also be just for someone that's interested in playing it uh, or running it. Is this also kind of setting an agnostic, for instance, could somebody run this as a mm -hmm. 18th century castle or can they run this as a, a Wild West campaign or a yeah. cyberpunk campaign. Well, I mean, in terms of mechanics um, in, in systems, you can run it in any superhero RPG right. you want. Like I did conversion guides for Savage Worlds and Means of Masterminds and I, you know, run whatever superhero system you want. In terms of setting stuff, like the idea is that Base Raiders is, embraces all the superhero tropes, including, right. hey, dimensional portals and gateways. So um, there's no reason why you couldn't like, we're in the steampunk world now, we're in the cowboy universe now, um, you know, and just set it there. Like, I mean, it relies on the idea of there being like a earth that we recognize, but there were superheroes and they left all their stuff behind. So like, you know, what happened, like imagine like the MCU, but now the Avengers and all and Thanos just disappear. They were the right. only, only one snapped away, but you know, the Avengers base is still there. 
uh, all that stuff is still Doctor Strange's sanctum is still there. So what would happen then? You know, um, right. so uh, like well, the MCU kind of got into that with like um, which Spider-Man movie? The one with the Vulture, because the Vulture right. was just like the first one. Yeah, yeah, he was getting yeah. grabbing all the scrap of the failed alien invasions and like uh, uh, selling it to criminals. Like, well, yeah, that's a very base Raiders thing. Like, take all that stuff and repurpose it. Like, that's great. Like, yeah. the Vulture was right. They're they're just stealing, they're just blowing up all of New York, but they keep all the alien technology for themselves. That's that sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, we we all deserve a plasma gun. You know, like, uh, what? yeah. So yeah, I was thinking, I was yeah, that was based that seemed kind of inspirational of the base raiders. Did you have mm-hmm. a lot of people make that comment too on your Discord with that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When that, yeah. Uh, I actually did our role playing public radio episode uh, called "The Vulture Was Right," like we talked, <laughs> we talked about how like yeah, no, the Vulture's hundred percent right. Like that was like Tony Stark is the greatest villain in the MCU. Like he caused right. so much mayhem. Um, I yeah, I think I heard that episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it came out uh, uh, right when that, right after the movie. It's like, yeah, no, that's. I mean, right now, a lot of my fans will be like, "Hey, look, this is base raider." Anytime you come with a random uh, character name or concept, like, "Oh, this could be a base raider's character." Uh, Gregor Samser found himself transformed into the invincible armored beetle soldier. So, like, taking common rider and uh, Kafka's the metamorphosis. Well, that's a base raider's character. Like, if you were. Just <laughs> And then you were turned into a armored costume crime fighter for some reason. You would you would also think that was uh, right. that was that's base raiders. So yeah, um, people looking at all these stores through a base raider lens. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's yeah. it's um, a way to deconstruct the genre of of superheroes, which are beginning. God, like even back in twenty fourteen, the MCO was a thing, but like it is still going on. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so what would be for for folks uh, that that would be uh, watching or listening to this who who say you know hey you know Ross I got a game I got a game idea in my head uh, mm-hmm. why why should I use fate as a system okay. um yeah I, I I've seen a lot of people you know talk about uh, uh, um, fate and like there, the, the, there's a common criticism going around. Uh, RPG Twitter about like, oh, it's too hard to understand aspects. But um, if you think about fate as a game that rewards um, like fulfilling character arcs, narrative arcs, like the mm-hmm. idea is um, in using fate points as, as currency, because like anytime something bad happens to your character, you build up fate points and then you can use those when you think it's important for your character. And uh to to turn the tides um and it simplifies like i really actually like having fake characters having fewer stress points than like dnd characters will get you know 100 hit points or 50 hit points or whatever and then they take oh 20 damage and like okay whatever but like fake characters get hit two or three times and then they're, they're in serious trouble right. um and i think that's more narratively satisfying than a fight like we've all been in RPG fights where I hit you for eight damage. Okay. You hit me for seven damage. I hit you for nine damage. You hit me for 11 damage. And that just goes on back and forth for like 30 minutes or whatever. Right. right. Like that though. Is that really fun to have like two guys <laughs> just hit each other with sticks for 20 minutes or guns or swords? And like, what's better is like, Oh, well, 
I, in order to not be knocked out of this fight, I got to take a consequence. I guess that broke my arm. Like, yeah, see, like that's yeah. a lot more uh, interesting. So it emphasizes um, it's design. Fate is designed in a way to create satisfying narratives for all the players. And you, everyone has some control and you know, the GM is the most control, but like every player has some say in what happens and that, mm. and uh, as long as everybody's like it, it so it does require like more like being on the same wavelength as other players because right. like uh it can you know uh but like if everybody's on the same wavelength it uh, it heightens the game for everybody like uh so yeah um i think i think that's the main thing is it'll it creates satisfying narratives uh, okay so uh which i think is really important and it's still like mechanically in depth enough so that it's interesting as a game you know right yeah right um yeah and so and where and, and and you did mention as and for those that are interested you do have a couple of places that you can pick up the game you have you do have you do it all on drive through rpg has a whole yeah. series on here um you also have it on gumroad as well yeah uh gumroad is because it was the only way i could figure out how to do a print and pdf uh combo oh, okay. um because i have some print copies um, but I did my print run through um, Amazon's Create Space. Well, it's called Amazon KDP now, but like right. Amazon has its own print on demand service. I didn't want to buy. I know Drive Through has its own um, uh, print on demand service, but I didn't want to go through that. Um, so okay. it's just like uh, it's a lot. Yeah, the, the, yeah, it gets into technical stuff uh, quickly. But like, so if you want a print and a PDF at the same time, that's how you can buy it. Um, you can also buy the print copies without the PDF on Amazon, if you have an Amazon account, but okay. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's very good. I also need to remove that zombies of the world. Type. <laughs> I realize now. Oops. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't get many, uh, gum rotors, <laughs> honest, <laughs> but it, it's kind of there just for, uh, the print and PDF option. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so what were some of the ideas? So I, I guess also from a, from a, marketing piece or mm -hmm. just from like a, a, a promotion of a of, of a line mm -hmm. obviously you want to start off with the source book what were some of the what were some of the pieces because because looking at this you do have some adventures on there mm -hmm. what seemed to have been the most in demand for you because you what's really cool is that you not only do you have some pre-made adventures for people to play that you have also these mm -hmm. these uh what would you call these um well some of them are new heroes or villains um, okay some of them yeah. are new superpower sources um, okay yeah death traps are a combination of death traps um also uh my friend caleb uh stokes who uh is a you know on role-playing bubble radio a lot uh and he's co-host several other <laughs> another podcast i do um he hit one of his thing. It became a running joke on the podcast that he really loved death traps. And so he wrote some death traps for my game. Um, but mostly it's new superpowers and like characters okay. to use in the game, because um, as a superhero game, the character superpowers take time to write up and characters take a lot of time to write up. And so by giving play, you know, I figured just introducing fully statted out characters, you can drop into your game. That would be, a little easier, a little more helpful. Um, okay. Yeah. So you don't have to stat. You, you don't have to spend time setting up your own stuff. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, glitch, yeah, glitch reality. Like, what if video game powers were real? Um, so, well, not like normal video game powers, like, you know, bugging out, like, uh, uh, you know, save scum, you know, it can reload if they die and come back mm. to life. Um, so, um, yeah, I've, it, mostly it was just like, oh, wouldn't this be neat? Oh, yeah, I can make that into a base raiders thing. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, 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 and the idea was just to keep putting them out. Uh, and so I did it for several years after the base Raiders game came out and then I just kind of got tired of doing it. So <laughs> I moved on. Um, and now I'm thinking about second edition, like masks of chaos. Um, I'll just admit that I was like, what if payday, uh, was in the world of, uh, base Raiders, they, they have, <laughs> you know, bank robbers who wear masks and they basically have superpowers because. Payday too. You base. I mean, you can get shot a lot, and uh, you can yell at one of your other, you know, uh, uh, bank robbing buddies, and it, he comes back to life. Like they're definitely uh, uh, mutants or something. So right. uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was mostly powers and sources to throw into games. Also, like pre, some of these characters are heroes; they can be used as pre-generated player characters. Um, mm. So uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> And I'm curious too, from from a setting perspective, because as you said, people can kind of play it. Do you have a a main canon setting for base raiders that you've been playing with, or have mm -hmm. you been very explicit to say whatever you want to make up, you want to make up? Um, I kind of do what a lot like some other RPGs do, is saying there is a canon, and it's basically base raider starts one year after Ragnarok, like, and then. After by you know a year after all the heroes and villains have dis Ragnarok is the event that caused is what the you know the press calls the event that caused all the heroes and villains to disappear and we, I basically say you, you we're, we're I'm never going to explain it in the game you can come up with your own reason for your own campaign setting but like it's always going to be um, a mystery in in the in my, in canon because uh, okay. I don't care they're gone they're not coming back yeah. um, and the uh by year peep base the idea of base rating becomes uh there's a lot of stuff um there's a lot of stuff uh to steal and so the idea the the concept of the base rating has come out the black market for superpowers has been formed and so all the, all the setting elements are there now i don't think i'll ever progress the timeline past that it's always right. maybe i will for second edition Maybe it'll be another year and it'll be like, well, more stuff has changed. We, we now know that there's a giant robot graveyard um, and it's really big and we don't know what's down there. And maybe someone should check on that. That seems the, the kaiju parasites uh, have been mutating and evolving. Um, we don't know. There may be nuclear weapons down there. It's yeah. Um, so I but I'm not really in, interested in progressing the canon because the idea is you make it your own story like it's right, it's a, right. um so yeah uh there is that um so yeah th that that's sort of the position i take on it like okay that's the timeline but after that i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not gonna world of darkness vampire where it's like yes and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens <sighs> like the most important characters in the setting are your player characters um, right. and whoever uh whatever their important npcs there are in the campaign you're the primary people like there's no one more powerful than you there are people as powerful as you but no one's like a world beater there's no dr doom there's no superman um there's nobody it's you it's up to you right. so yeah yeah wow that's cool mm -hmm. um so 
so as you say, with that second edition, do you do you foresee yourself also doing updates on going so far on on following the classic trope of having like a player's guide and it's in a in a screen and all that stuff too? Well, not a screen. I mean, just and probably because that seems like a pain in the ass to a pain in the ass <laughs> to uh, uh, print. Um, I, I I do want to like I don't want to go further in the timeline, but I do want to like flesh out all the details that I, I've sort of mentioned, but I haven't hinted or I haven't like really, you know, explained yet. Like not just the giant robot graveyard. I also want to like mention Sanctum, which is like a pocket universe where uh, all the superheroes used to, oh, you're, you're alien refugees from another planet. You've come here to, to get, to get a life on another. Well, humans don't really like space aliens. So we'll just shove you in here. Don't worry. It's nice. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, that kind of thing. So um, I actually want to write a base Raiders novel, uh, at least one. Um, but I like the idea of exploring it in fiction. Um, so yeah, I, I do want to write more. Like I think I think in terms of game, it would be the second edition. Play test that. Okay. Rather than do a supplement, like, and then if you know, eventually do some sort of crowdfunding campaign for that. And if it does really well, then have like stretch goals for supplements and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest thing right now is just work on second edition and may and a novel. I, I have, it. Oh, you know, I do want to stat out one new character. Um, a character I wrote for another game, um, uh, road trip, which was a campaign for monsters and other childish things. And the character I want to take from that, put him in base Raiders is cool rat who is a rat who skateboards. And he used to be like a mascot, um, for like a, you know, corporation. And he had his own theme park and he's super cool. And uh, I put him in mini games, and players are always annoyed by him, and he's great, and I love that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I want to put ba Cool Rat officially statted up in Base Raiders. Um, so yeah, because that was part of a fourth edition supplement thing you made, right? Wasn't that the the kids the? Um, mm, well, there was well, there was Road Trip, which right. was a campaign for monsters and other childish things. I didn't write I. The stuff I wrote for Fourth Ed was a fan project for the New World, oh, okay. and that was All that right. was just that was the only stuff I wrote for Fourth Edition D and D. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I only used Cool Rat officially in Road Trip, so. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got you. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, also, I want to just highlight uh, for our viewers and listeners out there, you have a pretty, um, pretty <laughs> robust and amazing Patreon page. That I yep. wanted to talk about. Yeah, see, there's cool right right in the middle. He's he's a cool yeah. kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so talk to us about for, for folks that are interested in in in, in joining your in joining your Patreon, what are mm -hmm. some of the benefits they would be able to get? Um yeah, so well yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a great topic. I love talking about it. Um so <laughs> Uh, at two dollars a month, you get access to RPPR after hours, uh, which is a bonus podcast where we look at some of the weird weird obscure well not uh, obscure but older rpg materials a lot mm. of adventures and we kind of do deep dives on them um like we're right now looking at a world of darkness adventure where the premise is hey let's go to mexico and go to a mayan pyramid and wake and kill an ancient vampire and drink his blood because it'll make us stronger which is you know you know vampire is like a game of personal horror and like oh no i become a monster well let's just go become the to, to the jungles of the yucatan and like it's a ridiculous <laughs> pro um 
but also you get access to the RPPR Discord, uh, where it's a very cool community of people. Um, in fact, uh, one of my friends is doing a live streaming event on that Discord right now. Huh. Um, and uh, so that's at the $2 level. You also get an RPPR Illustrated. You can actually see images of the giant robot graveyard. Um, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it's a, every month there's a new image, uh, like highlights from our actual play games or uh, preview art from our next campaign, which is coming up. Um, actually, okay. it's, I mean, the art's already out there. Um, and then at a $5 level, we get early access to the actual play podcasts. And then at $10 a month, um, I actually run an online game. Um, I also switching off to doing consultations. So you get access to like, I run games of base Raiders and you can, uh, or Delta green or other RPGs. And so you get a chance to sign up and play in games run by me, or recently I've started doing consultations. So if you have an RPG project and you'd like to talk to me about it, I, you could sign up for that level. And then at the $25 level, it's just like, you're awesome. And thank you for supporting me i'd like uh i try and give them occasional benefits but that's for the people who just really really love the podcast and i i really love them um <laughs> yeah yeah and, um yeah. and that's your, your your masthead of of of, of slang design is mm -hmm. for the ross payton masthead here is the role-playing public radio yeah you've been around for since 2007 you've mm -hmm. won awards for the podcast mm -hmm. uh and it's it is a main staple for anybody that's interested in, in role-playing role-playing games in a podcast. Yeah. I can't think of a more well-known role-playing game podcast than well, thank yours. You. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. We try and cover a lot uh, um, with role-playing book radio. I've always wanted to cover like the breadth of uh, RPG. So we did cover fourth edition D and D and we've done some one shots of fifth edition, but we cover a lot more than just those, um, right. you know, Delta green, um, call of Cthulhu, um, a lot of like we did a campaign recently of heart, the city beneath, um, you know, uh, that's what the campaign we're running right now. And we also do reviews and, uh, interviews and discussions. Like I just put out an episode Monday of RPPR where we looked at the Terminator RPG and reviewed that really in depth, like the whole hour was spent on that. Right. Um, and then talked about license games in general, what makes a good license game, what makes a bad license game. Um, and yeah, uh, even after 15 years, I still love tabletop role playing games and I like talking about them. So um, yeah, uh, that, that, that's sort of, for, sort, sort of my bag, not my, not my only bag, but it is certainly one that I do. So, uh, oh, you know, one thing, um, one series on RPPR that is updated sort of sporadically, it's called Game Designers Workshop. Uh, okay. If you, yeah, it's see up there at the top, uh, it says Game Design, right above Licensed, it says Games, yeah. Um, it's where Caleb and I talk about our game, because Caleb comes on, and like I said, he's a friend and he's a co-host, uh, and we talk about the prod the games we are designing. So. Right. Like in the most recent episode, Caleb talks about his game, Phase Anatomy, which just came out this year. Uh, I talk about Base Raiders. Caleb talks about Red Markets, which is his zombie economic horror themed RPG. Um, I've talked about some of the other projects I've been working on. Um, and I've interviewed people like Jeff Barber is a good friend of mine uh, about Blue Planet. Uh, he's working on that. Uh, Recontact is a new edition of uh, Blue Planet that he's working mm. on. Um, so yeah, uh, if you want to, if you are a budding game designer, you want to, you, you could hear us as we, we, uh, uh, like Caleb, we podcasted his entire red markets from the first idea he had to the kickstart, to playtesting it, to kickstarting it, to getting it out in print and, and distributing it. Um, yeah. 
So, um, and is that the, the the Ludon narrative dissidents? Is that the one that? Uh, that no, that's actually I started that last year. This is actually not my right. idea, but um, Ludon narrative dissidents um, is a, a podcast I do with Greg Stolze and James Wallace, both very well award winning game designers. Greg Stolze uh, did Unknown Armies. He's written for so many RPGs. Um, and uh, yeah, our most new recent episodes on Base Raiders. Um, but we, and James Wallace, did the uh, Extraordinary Adventures of Baron Munchausen, uh, Las Vegas. He ran Hogshead Publishing. Um, and so each episode, we just look at one RPG and talk about it for like, you know, an hour to 90 minutes. Um, right. It was just really in depth, talking about the, the mechanics, its historical context. Um, we talk about a lot of great games like 13th age and, um, we got to talk about some really weird, obscure games like continuum, which is a game about time travel and has very detailed mechanics about time travel and they make no sense whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> it's an unplayable game, but I applaud them for trying. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, um, so yeah, we're trying it. We're actually going to uh, do a, a season two Kickstarter soon um hopefully next month um cool. to talk about more games uh but yeah that that's like if you want a real deep dive on a particular game from you know game designers who have written and published games like that is that is uh, which apparently one. there's not really any other rpg there's like one other rpg podcast that does that uh system mastery mm -hmm. uh but like they do oh this game is really bad and silly like riffs and blah 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 like um, <laughs> um from whatever i've i've not listened to it i've listened to like one episode so but like that yeah. was my impression of it um i've heard that they're really good though but like mm. um yeah people have told us that they you know not there's not really a lot of coverage of like in-depth reviews and critiques of games so that, right. that's what we do in letter narrative mm. um yeah so if people want to learn more about your work ross words what's the best place they can go to um yeah, I need to make a link tree. Um, slangdesign.com slash portfolio has a list of all of my works. Um, and um, my Twitter profile, at Russ Payton, I, I talk about all my newest stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I have another podcast called Night Clerk, which is a music review podcast about vaporwave <laughs> and haunted music. Um, and all, uh, uh, so, yeah, that would probably, yeah, if you want to look at all my podcasts, I do. Uh, if you want to uh, uh, just go to my slangdesign.com slash portfolio or... Uh, just go to my Twitter profile. I'll talk about it. Um, I've done, yeah, that that's honestly, I, I made that portfolio site just so I would remember that. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot of like, yeah, five there's years. There's a later, lot you've but, done. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, yeah, that would, that would be, um, you know, all, all my experiments and, and various projects. Um, so, but yeah, that would, that would, those two places are the best part. I will try and make a link tree. I need to make a link tree with just like, right. here are all my websites, here are all my things. Um, but yeah, that would, right. and, or just subscribe to RPPR on, uh, um, podcasting app of choice, RPPR actual play. Yeah. Those, those yeah. are good plays and letter narrative distance now. Um, yeah. 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 Perfect. Well, great. You know, Ross, listen, if you get it, when you get your Kickstarter up and running, we're talking about that we're second edition base fighters, come back on. We'll, we'll oh, talk sure. more about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, get that Kickstarter up and running and yeah. Base Raiders playtesting. I have no idea what timeline that is. I need to see if this idea I have actually works, which I think, I right. think it will, but like, let's see how it meets re any of the rea reality of the game. But, uh, cool. Yeah.
Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ross, for coming on. Yeah, no, it's it fun. You don't. Yeah, um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you a veiled compliment, Ross. Just so you know. Okay. <laughs> right. I spent. Um, I was a. Uh, uh, I spent about 15 years overseas for Peace Corps and Doctors Without Borders, mm-hmm. and I would. Your podcast was one of the ones I always downloaded on my iPod. Mm, my nice. iPod. I had the little <laughs> RPPR logo. Nice on my Aww. on my iPod. I'm like, hey, you know, I gotta listen. I gotta listen to some Ross Payton right now. So I gotta, yeah, you know, <laughs> listen to that on the bush taxis in West Africa. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, it's always really cool to hear from someone's like, I listened to this over here. Like I was teaching English in China. Or I was doing this. <laughs> like, yeah, no. That West Africa's new. I'd not I'd not known we'd reached all the way over there. <laughs> <laughs> you re- re- yeah, you yeah. reached my iPod there. Just yeah. I'll when you had to so. scroll it, you know, when you had to spin oh, it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you had that nice little click sound, yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when you've been podcasting since 2007, Ross. That you, mm-hmm. You've been in all kinds of technology. Yeah, yeah. I, I Yeah, probably been on some Zooms now that I think about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you've been yeah. on Zooms. Yeah, I yeah, bet. Yeah, yeah. yeah.